0: Hello coders and welcome to another episode of the Coder Career with me your host Cameron Blackwood. Today in a first from the Coder Career, I'm actually interviewing somebody who has co-invented a programming language. Today's guest is Matija Sosic, he is the co-founder of Wasplang who create Wasp. Wasp is a really innovative approach to web applications and I've been really enjoying checking it out. It's quite different to what you may have experienced before so definitely recommend giving this one a listen and trying out Wasp afterwards. Matea joins me to discuss how he originally got into technology, his previous entrepreneurial ventures, and of course why he decided to create a tool like WASP. A quick plug for the local listeners of the Code Career as well. We are hosting another event with X Design on the 10th of May. You can hear from myself, where I'll be giving a talk on Superbase and Vercel, and there will also be an excellent panel hosted by former guest Peril Singh. The panel will consist of former guest and former international rugby player Lee Jones, who transitioned to a career in technology. Louise Shambrook, who is one of the moderators of the Coda Careers Discord community and is a previous social worker turned software engineer. And Alison Wood, who is a senior software engineer at Exosign, having transitioned into software engineering after a mathematics degree and some time spent working in travel and tourism. Tickets are free, but they are limited. So please make sure you do check the event link and sign up for the waiting list if they have run out, because we will be encouraging people to release tickets if they are no longer able to attend. Apologies for the long bit of housekeeping, but it's going to be a really great event. So I hope to see you all there. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mattia Sosic. Hi, Mattia, How are you doing? Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Hey, Ken, very nice to meet you. Thanks for the invite, and yeah, doing well. And I'm super excited to chat today with you about everything.
0: Likewise, because I think without giving the game away too much, this is the first time we have had someone on the show who has literally invented a programming language (laughs) uh, or any kind of like dev tool as the size of this. So this is uh, very exciting. So um, who are you and what are you doing right now?
1: Uh, Yeah, sure, super shortly about me. As you said, uh, right now we are building uh, a new dev tool it is a programming language, although it's not something comparable to JavaScript or C or Java. So we are not trying to reinvent a new general programming language. It's more like, let's say, if you if you imagine imagine something like SQL or Terraform, but for business logic of your web app. So basically, what we are doing with WASP is that we are offering offering a simple configuration language. So you can imagine it as a high-level kind of file, we you specify the requirements of your app, like I have a cron job, or I have auth with Gmail and LinkedIn, or I have my routes and similar, and then you plug in your own code in the React and Node.js right now. So it's quite familiar to use it if you, you know, use the typical Perd or MERN stack. And then basically from all of that, in the end, we produce the full, the full full stack application. So I would say functionally, it feels, you know, like a Rails-like uh, full stack uh, framework for building web apps.
0: Yeah, I, I was pretty shocked when I saw how much can just be generated from the uh, command line when I first tried it uh, last week, actually. It was, it was pretty impressive. I've never seen anything like that in JavaScript ecosystem. It's really cool.
1: Mm, thanks, thanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so before, um, before you came to uh, working on Wasp and everything like that, um, what's your original background? Obviously, you went the conventional route in terms of studying CompSci. Where did your inspiration come from and how did you break into the world of technology?
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, no, I'm coming from kind of traditional computer uh, route as you said. So it was here in Croatia I think we first, it, I say we because it's me and my twin brother So we are kind of partners in crime in all the projects pretty much. So I will, be, I will be mentioning Martin a lot here as well So yeah, we are both kind of I think in high school We first, you know started doing programming because it was like a class in high school We were doing some algorithmic competitions and similar and that kind of naturally led us to studying computer science so finished both uh, bachelor's and master's here in Croatia. And I think kind of in the last year of the uni- university, we started playing, you know, with first ideas, kind of side projects. Uh, we were building some apps, like typically, you know, Sassys, Angular was hot back there. So exploring, exploring that, but I would say our inspiration for Wasp came actually, you know, from building multiple, like, you know, big apps, like, you know, typical sales dashboard applications over a couple of years. So, as I said, like, you know, first we started just with kind of pure PHP and build a CMS in it. And it was like jQuery on the front end. Then we moved through Angular, Java on the back end, uh, Backbone on the front end. And, you know, finally landed with React and Node, which was kind of, you know, again, the new thing like six, six, seven years ago. But, you know, kind of the gist of all these experiences was that, you know, we felt that every couple of years we need to relearn the whole stack you know, just to build the same thing all over again. And it kind of felt, you know, oh, now I know Angular, but I have to drop this knowledge and I have to learn React because now that's popular. And there's like, you know, like a bunch of new ways I have to adopt and figure out what are the best practices around it and similar. So it just felt like, you know, like we are reinventing stuff all over again, while, you know, the requirements of your app are kind of from the, looking from the outside, they're very similar. It's always like, you know, you have authentication, you have users, then you have some dashboard with resources you are managing it all kind of sounded very similar to what you have done, you know, five years ago as well. So I think my, our main motivation was, you know, there should be at some point kind of some abstraction layer which will basically let you describe your application. Hey, I want, I want Auth with Google and LinkedIn, and that's going to be enough. Like, you don't have to figure out what specifically to do in React or Angular or something else. Like, that's going to be enough to make it work. So I think, you know, that was kind of the spark, the first spark we got, you know, into why we should uh, start Wasp.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's a really interesting point. I, it always comes back to one of my favorite rules is uh, the Pareto law of 20% of your work gets you 80% of the results. And if you can somehow have a uh, tool that will do um, the rest of the work for you, that 80% that's very intensive, laborious, and then you can focus on that additional 20% value add that's unique to the solution you're working on. Um, it m- makes a lot of sense, and I often find that um, I've been through that recently with a project I've been working on. Where, uh, but on the back end, where mm. I started using Superbase. Uh, if you've come across that before, and I sure. found that incredibly, um, incredibly useful for the for the back end side of things. And it, it's interesting. It seems like there's more and more, um, more and more solutions where we're starting to abstract stuff, which I think is promising because I find. feel free to disagree but i find developers often don't think like entrepreneurs where we try and rebuild the same thing every time when actually we don't leverage stuff that's at our disposal so i think this is very it's a very exciting innovation
1: yeah yeah, true true i think in in one hand it's nothing new like you know we had frameworks 20 years ago so Mm -hmm. i think you know people have been building frameworks and uh, back-end services for a while but there is always like there is there is always like another wave of technology which kind of you know, makes one step ahead of the frameworks you have right now. And then again, you have to figure out the new framework or the new, you know, backend as a service to cover all the latest use cases. Either is it like a Postgres technology, you want to use that instead of Firebase, for example, or is it, you know, like this modern kind of, you want to use RPC between client and the server and, you know, you just use the modern auth libraries and similar. I think there is always kind of this competition between, you know, just technology going pro- forward and basically frameworks and abstractions uh, catching up. On top of them
0: Yeah, that's uh that's very interesting. Um, I haven't actually uh it's only been recently in my career that I've been able to sit back and actually consider that because now I'm at the point where I'm like trying to get up to senior engineer in my day job and all the rest of it. And yeah, yeah. instead of panicking, just trying to make sure that I understand everything, now I'm trying to think more about the wider ecosystem and it just goes it goes very deep, and the more you think about it, the more interesting. The problem actually gets so it's a huge area and i definitely encourage people um earlier in their career that are listening to this to not be afraid of thinking about how the wider ecosystem works and what you can learn from it it's it's really good to to level up that way
1: yeah yeah no i agree i think dev tools are like one area which you know there is never enough innovation because as you're saying it's so wide and you know everything is advancing so quickly there is like always new opportunities opening you know, like, a couple of years ago, there wasn't GraphQL. There wasn't React Query. There mm. wasn't something. So, whenever something new comes, kind of introduces some new concepts. And again, but there are also new problems. So, there are, there are, like, always new ways to figure out, like, how to use them in the best way. So, yeah, I think even that we have a lot of tools right now, I think there is a space for a lot more tools. And, yeah. I mean, also, on the other hand, what you're saying, you know, being a developer and kind of trying to catch up on everything, I, I agree that's hard. I think it's, it's very hard, you know, for a developer to try out all the possible solutions before actually choosing what choosing one like it's impossible like you're not going to try 10 frameworks you know before choosing something probably so yeah i think it, it comes a lot you know to kind of hearing from others what's good what works what's modern doing some of your own investigation but yeah no it's a, it's a kind of fast moving world but on the other hand like a lot of stuff are actually still the same as we had them and like 10 years ago
0: <laughs> yeah and many principles obviously stay yeah, the same. Well, like exactly. It, I people always. It, it, if this is the interesting question I get actually from a lot of people that aren't programmers or even involved in technology. They know the term programming language, and they expect it to be like, uh, if I, you know, they're like, oh, okay, so you do JavaScript. Um, But if you were to learn Python, it's like, you have to learn absolutely everything again is is the way people think, because it's like, they think of it in terms of natural languages. Like if I was to learn French, German, Croatian, Chinese, um, if it was every single you want, but actually the principles always stay the same. Like a loop is a loop. Um, You know, a deployment process is a deployment process. Like the principles stay the same. So it's learning the one. Um, that's the important thing: learning something first. And I think that's definitely a lesson that I've I've learned probably far too late. So again, something I'd pass on to listeners is just actually the principles will always remain the same. And an advantage you can have as a junior is you can pick up a new tool like Wasp and teach it to the senior developers at your company to um, to give them a value add. Which I think is it's a nifty trick actually to uh, to advance your career is learn the new stuff and teach it to the senior devs.
1: True, true, 100%, because sometimes, you know, being a senior dev, kind of, you know, you, you had enough of new technology, you just want stuff that works, which is, no you know, battle-tested and proven, although, I mean, there is also exception, like, a lot of senior developers are even using Wasp, and kind of, you know, they just want to use it for side projects, but yeah, I think junior developers are kind of those, you know, they, they're often kind of very vocal, spending time, you know, just learning, sharing what they learn, so I think there is, like, especially good, you know, user base for and adoption of uh, of new technologies. It's 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 also something that that we noticed.
0: Yeah, and it, the something I wanted to ask as well was: you've had a history of being an entrepreneur before this as well. You've had multiple software startups. Was was this basically where the inspiration for Wasp came from, uh, or wh- was it that you wanted to be able to quickly um, build useful products and then, like I said, do that twenty percent on top?
1: Hmm. Hmm. I, I think it was both. You know, like on one hand, so we had a couple of projects before, I would say like one before this was actually like, you know, like officially a startup, you know, like we had customers doing stuff and similar. So that previous project was actually like, you know, like a typical SaaS tool. You know, it was like a a SaaS for public speakers and basically it was offering them an easy way to collect kind of emails from people in the audience. So it was like a simple way to make a landing page specifically for your presentation, your talk. And, you know, in the end, you will share, like, a special link with somebody could visit from the audience, leave their email, and get your goodies, like, presentation, I don't know, like, discounts, extra courses, or similar. So, that was, like, very exciting for us in sense, you know, making something that somebody is using and having users. It was, uh, you know, like, amazing feeling that, we, you know, we haven't really felt before, you know, just being on the developer side, disconnected from users, you know, from, from people who are using your product. So, we loved that. But on the other side, it was really hard for us to, to develop a product which was not for us as users. You know, obviously, we were not public speakers. So you know, it, it, was like, it was hard to have this feedback loop kind of seeing you know, what makes sense for, for them. You have to interview a lot of public speakers, observe them, and then integrate, integrate that back into the product. But that is hard when everything is you know, online and the public speakers are around the world. And you have no way, basically, into following them and see, seeing what they do with your product. So for us, still, it, it was super fun. But in the end, it proved, you know, the market that we were into was quite small. So, you know, it couldn't really grow to like, something that's going to be like huge and venture-backed. So, you know, we decided that uh, we love the idea of building a product, but we would love to build something which is more interesting to us as users. So this is how we, you know, then ended up in, in DevTools, which I feel is now a perfect, perfect blend for our interests.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That that's really cool, and I I agree with your point on how it's much easier to build in a market that you understand. Like I'd be the same; I wouldn't know where to start with public speaking. Like my main side project at the moment is building a platform to connect uh, university graduates with startup opportunities, uh, which I think we actually talked about over Twitter the other day. And yeah. it's for me, I understand the market because um, I used to be a technical recruiter before I learned to code myself. Um, And that was in fact the inspiration, uh, basically. I got sick of recruiting people that were making more money than me and having more fun than me. Uh, So I decided to learn to code. And I thought my my, my first job out of university was basically in a high growth startup. And I learned so much in that two years and uh, compared to a lot of people who I knew who were working for maybe the big banks or the big consultancies. So I thought there's no clear path for students to be connected um, with mm-hmm. jobs, so that's where I figured. Oh, okay, I can I can leverage my previous experience. I know how the recruitment process works. So um, the advice always I always give to people is just try and solve some problem that you've encountered in, in your workplace.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I couldn't agree more with that. That would also be my number one advice. You know, for anybody who wants to kind of get into into something like like this. Yeah, just solving your own problems and being your own user is uh, super valuable because you know your feedback loop is short circuited. Like, you are your own user, and, you know, you can just dog food and try out everything yeah. yourself. There is, of course, a risk of, you know, you being kind of not objective enough and kind of, you know, just falling in love with your product. But it's kind of another another possible pitfall. But, no, you know, just being a developer, developing a dev tool that you would like to use, that's uh, super useful. But I would say also, on the other hand, if you're a developer who has domain expertise in something else, that can be, like, incredibly powerful combination. Because, you know, like, all developers are have expertise in developer domain, but for example, if you are, I don't know, like you like beers or you're like you know you are playing with chemistry or something, that can be like a really cool combination because you have unique insight into, I don't know, like chemistry or hardware problems, but you are also able to develop the solution uh, for the problem. So yeah. I, I I saw that like many times and that can also you know work incredibly well.
0: Yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. It's something uh, something worth highlighting as well because. Um, I always think learning to code is the ultimate entrepreneurship hack. Like you don't have to most profitable uh, startups are software based, at least to a degree uh, these days. And therefore, we don't have to pay anything to some agency or to some contractor or or to hire a CTO um, to, to build an MVP. And then if you know how to code, but then you have some kind of experience either as a consumer or uh, as you say, like an enthusiast or uh, a previous career, if you learned to code later in life, um, then the opportunity is unbelievable because your potential competitors, chances are they don't know how to code. So it's such a, um, it's a bit of a pun, but it's such a life hack uh, really to uh, to know how to code if you if you want to be an entrepreneur
1: it is it is i agree or you even pairing up with somebody who is expert in you know recruiting or you know like some other field that can also be great if your friends are for example crazy about you know weightlifting or something and you want to make a weightlifting app that can be like you know an ideal combination of you know like partners or co-founders uh, for your startup
0: yeah absolutely i think the biggest way to understand is uh, like to respect other people's jobs a lot more is to is to launch your own Project and startup because uh, I was actually reading, um, I forget the guy's name who invented Ruby on Rails. Uh, the, ah, the they, DHH, the H- uh, yeah, 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 David
1: Hasselman, Hasselman was the name, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That's his name, yeah. I was reading his website uh, this morning actually um, to try and like get a bit inspired for some content ideas. Mm. Um, and he had a great quote called uh, Easy is a job, it is a word that people use to describe other people's jobs, um, which I think was really cool and it's something that you can pick up from starting your own businesses is you'll be able to get the respect for every other job there is and um whilst it's great to attempt it yourself it can be really good to get a co-founder who says an expert in something like marketing which i think before i started trying to build independent projects i had no idea how complex marketing was it's crazy
1: (laughs) true true no i also you know i always thought like ah you know marketing is easy like development is the hardest part like anybody anybody can do marketing right but you know, then when we ended up spending like ninety percent of our time, you know, just doing marketing, uh, cold emailing, uh, sales, basically, you know, that's kind of you see how hard it is, and you know, you start appreciating development much more in a sense like, oh, that's so fulfilling, you know, that, that's the easy part, that's the fun part. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I had a question. Uh, so sort of switching the topic slightly back to Wasp itself, um, mm-hmm. I was reading some of the documentation. Uh, around how you actually go through the process of building it. And I can't even imagine a gargantuan task like building a developer tool. So it's very cool. But I noticed it was written in, uh, in Haskell. Am I, uh, am I right in thinking that? That's a really interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Okay. And I mean, there is a story behind this. I'm happy, happy to share mm-hmm. you know, how, we, how we decided on it. So, I mean, it all started with us learning Haskell in the university. So there was like, you know, one special course, uh, like only course in functional programming. Mm-hmm. And we took it. You know, we were interested into it. And it was really interesting. Like, you know, we used Java before, C++, I think, mostly. So, like, you know, like, like really heavily object-oriented programming languages. And I think Python a bit also. But, yeah, like, Haskell was, you know, it seemed so elegant. And the whole functional paradigm was, like, you know, like, it was, yes, it is a bit, like, mathematical. And we were always a bit more into theory. Like, we liked that part. So that, that was also intriguing to us. But on the other hand, yeah, it was just, like, you know, very elegant to use. Like, and everything was, you know, kind of looks like a formula so there is no like you know like those off by one errors so like oh i forgot something here it's much more kind of concise and looks more kind of like a logical expressions for example right so that was you know just kind of why we became interested into it but then again you know after finishing the course it was really hard to find application for it because you know like most of the companies are kind of javascript or developing apps or similar so it wasn't like you know you could easily uh, stamp on the haskell project so, you know, we, we actually, mostly we kept working on web applications, as I mentioned. It was funnily enough, you know, because because we never identified uh, as like, you know, oh, no, I'm, I'm just a web developer. Like, we were always more like, I'm a general developer. I like, you know, algorithms, machine learning, and I don't know, we were, we were actually doing a lot of work in bioinformatics, for example, which, which was fun. But again, funnily enough, whatever project or job we picked up, in the end, uh, we had to build a web app. Because like, you know, whatever you do, like algorithm, pipeline, the workflow, data stuff, in the end, you have to deliver it to the end user. And typically, it was, you know, like smaller companies or startups. So we also always had to build up the client, the web client for, 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 for the end user. And again, it took, you know, it was the hardest part of the whole project regularly, you know. Like we built algorithms and all the stuff, machine learning and everything. But then again, we spent like 80% of our time on figuring out, you know, how to build a web app, Authentication, I know, like CRUD and similar. So I think that that was a big part, you know, why we felt okay, like you know, this is really hard compared to the rest of the things we are doing, and you know, we feel there should be some improvement or advancement here. Uh, but yeah, sorry, I digress. You know, to the point of Haskell, we kind of waited until the right opportunity, and you know, when kind of when wasp idea came 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 true, you know, Haskell felt like a really good tool for the job, because as you said, you know, we were, we were building a programming language sort of, you know, which comes with its own compiler. And Haskell is kind of known best as a tool for writing compilers, Mm -hmm. you know, because it has kind of these high-level constructs, which makes, you know, that really easy. And it has a lot of libraries for parsing and generating stuff in the code. So, it was like, you know, like a really good fit. I would say, again, like, it's not the only solution that you, you can use. You know, you could use C++ or Rust or even Java or Scala. But you know, this was just kind of the right combination of what we liked and wanted to use. Plus, it w- it was objectively a uh, good tool for the job.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I think something that's often lost in the conversation as well is what do you actually like using? As you just mentioned, it's so important because if you're not going to enjoy working on something, then you're not going to produce your best work. Like I love React personally, so I'm going to use it on the front end versus something like Angular, which I struggled through. But other <laughs> people give me the other way around.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, because in the end, I think there is no right answer, like, for, for any any project, there is at least two technologies, if not more, that could, be you know, like, equally justified to to be used, so, yeah, I think, you know, just you having fun is a big factor, especially in the beginning, because, you know, sometimes having fun is all that is left, you know, <laughs> that you have right now, when, you know, even maybe if, if it doesn't look like your product is taking off, or, you know, like, that you're going to have any users, still, if you're having fun, you are more likely to keep working on it until you reach that point where you actually also start getting outside uh, interest.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, the probably two of the biggest sub segments of people to listen to the show are people that are like actually learning to code right now because they're a career changer or they're in the process of launching a product. Um, so this that advice really applies to both of them where in the sense of, you know, you've got to keep it fun if you're launching a product, because sometimes you will hit the sort of, I think they call it the valley of hopelessness. Uh, and then if you're learning to code, I think it's similar. You hit this uh, valley of hopelessness. And I actually spoke to a guy who I won't name him, obviously, but he messaged me on LinkedIn today uh, saying like, I, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I saw you're a coder from a non-traditional background. I've been teaching myself for six months and I feel kind of hopeless now at this point. Like, what should I do next? Uh, and, you know, I said to him similarly, like, just remember to keep it fun, like work on something that genuinely makes you smile, that you enjoy. It can be a fun project. It doesn't have to be the next Instagram or, or TikTok, you know, um, keep it fun and it's one of the best ways to keep the motivation because um particularly for the I mean obviously in entrepreneurship it, it's key to keep consistent but for learning to code and, and landing that job the consistency of studying and working through is key and if you're keeping it fun you're keeping it consistent. Yeah, way,
1: yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No 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 true true. No no I completely agree and I, I think you know you really hit the right point of kinda, you know, having having fun. I think also, you know, another thing is just learning because I mean Learning is fun in the end, right? When you feel you are learning, you're actually having fun. So, you know, I think for us, it was also like, you know, I mean, it didn't didn't start as a kind of startup or like, you know, like a fully blown project. It was just, hey, like, you know, this sounds like an interesting idea. Plus, we always wanted to use Haskell for something. So, like, let's try it. We are going to get better at Haskell, learn it. Plus, we are going to test this hypothesis. We have, like, is it possible to make, like, configuration language for building web apps? So we always, like, whatever was happening on the outside, which was nothing in the beginning, right? (laughs) We always had those two components, learning Haskell plus having fun with, you know, like a new tool for building web apps. And basically, it was always fun. We were learning, and we were curious to see what's going to end up, you know, from all the stuff that we are doing. So I think that's something super important to keep in mind because, you know, once it gets hard with either your learning how to code a new language or, you know, just making your project if there is that one component which is not dependent on the outside world that that's the thing which is going to keep which is going to keep you going in your in your efforts
0: yeah, and I think what your point about how you know this is this is something we just want to do is so important, especially in the dev tool world like I think so many cool dev uh, developer tool uh, products came out of people saying. Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Yeah. I want to give this a go. And, you know, so what if nothing comes of it? Let's just give it a go. I think that's, that's awesome and such a good approach to have. And that, that's how great products start, I think.
1: True. No, I think it is, the, uh, no, it is the correct mindset. If you start from the beginning, you know, it has to be huge. And if it's not huge from the beginning, I'm just going to quit. Then it's not going to work out because, no, there are so many snakes you're going to hit. But if you just start with the mindset, you know, like this is just my side project. And I'm just curious. To see what's going to come out of this, then you're going to have a lot of fun at first, and you know whatever happens next is going to be like a bonus on top. So it's not something that you know that is given. I think the, the same was for us. You know, I was just super curious, like what's going to happen if I frame this as a language? What's going to happen if we add this part for authentication? Like what if we add our own CLI for this, for example, right? So I'm still curious. Like I still have like a bunch of at least ten things I'm curious about, you know, to see what's going to happen so that's really i think the the gist of it
0: yeah yeah i can imagine that first time you entered the the uh the cli command the like MPX. is it generate wasp or start wasp uh and yeah. it actually like generates that must have been a crazy feeling like kind of a it's alive <laughs> kind of moment <laughs> i must imagine yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and um in terms of haskell actually i have a curiosity around that would you recommend the average developer to learn Haskell and and why or why not?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a very good question. I think you know just like the the just learning a new language is already super beneficial. And you know, like probably you are going to start with the JavaScript or Python. Those are, I would say, the most popular uh, languages. You know, kind of which are widely used right now. So that, that that's a good choice. But then again, probably you are going to progress to TypeScript if you are professionally working on you know like web apps or similar. It's probably going to you know you are going to end up in that setting. And then I think, especially once you kind of dabbled in types, you know, like you use TypeScript and you see, oh, types are nice. I see how beneficial that was. You know, I can have so much safety right now, and everything is breaking less. I think then also, if you try Haskell, you are going to you are going to have a lot of fun. So I, I mean, I would definitely say yes, because you know Haskell is uh, kind of mind bending at first. Although people people often say it's it's hard, and like you know, you have to be academic to learn it. But that's actually just, it's not true. Uh, I, I would just say, you know, the, there is a bit of that aura uh, around the language because it's not so, you know, super widely used and it's not, it's, not, it's not that popular. But actually, once you get into it, it's still, it's a pretty huge community. Like, there is uh, people using it in production, people using it for their projects, and there is, like, always somebody who's going to help you. Like, there are companies behind, you know, different libraries, which are basically maintaining them actively. So there is a big community which is always and they are especially willing to help, you know, because everybody is kind of, you know, so condensed. Like you are always going to meet the actual author of the library. Like, oh, here's the guy, and he is going to answer your question. So, like, you know, the the feeling is super nice. Everybody is friendly and you know, kinda everybody knows knows each other. So I would say that you know, learning Haskell is super valuable just for the sake of kind of you know expanding your horizons and you know, seeing actually how powerful and useful types can be in your programming journey. And on the other side, when you learn it, you probably get a lot of uh, let's say new ideas or where you could use it. No, I think it it often goes like first you don't have an idea, but once you learn a new tool or a new language, then you get like a whole set, whole new category of ideas or for what that would be a good uh, fit.
0: Yeah. And I think something that is unique about it as well, if, I, if I'm correct in my remembering, is that it's functional, right, which yeah. is very different to the majority of mainstream ones that people will learn. So it's a whole new approach to actually writing code, which I think could be a really good experience. I mean, personally, I haven't really done much fun- functional programming, but I think it would be good to learn from that side of things.
1: Yeah, no, that too, that too. Although I would say in the last couple of years, you know, with kind of new Python and JavaScript versions, I think everybody is now doing much more functional stuff than before. You know, if you use like map or filter in JavaScript or Python, basically you are doing functional programming. (laughs) So, you know, like a lot of these kind of Lambda expressions, for example, all of that is kind of coming from languages like Haskell. And now it's, you know, it's becoming mainstream to, to, to other languages. So I think like using Haskell now versus maybe 10 years ago, it's going to be like, you know, like 80% more familiar. So it's not going to be that daunting at all. It is just, you know, that it is a bit different kind of, let's say, you don't have those typical objects if you're going with, you know, traditional OOP, like object-oriented programming. So there is a bit of a difference, but it's all still quite natural. So, I w- yeah, I would say in the end it's, it's functional, but 80% of the functional stuff you have probably already experienced in your other language.
0: Yeah, especially if you learned to code relatively recently, I think. As yeah, well. like, mm. someone called React uh, a pseudo functional language to me the other day, which I kind of, yeah, I I, it's like I kind of see that, like, it's got, it's clearly heavily inspired. Uh, and as you say, a lot of those um, maps and filters and how all the components themselves are functions, um, it m- makes a lot of sense, like, because it's very different from early React, which was the whole class base yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. of things. And you ended up going through YC, right? So, what 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 was that process like?
1: Oh yeah, YC was fun and also super super useful in in many ways. So yeah, I mean, we we applied, so we applied three times for YC, and obviously got in on the third attempt. <laughs> so yeah, I'm happy to share the story uh, behind that. So I mean, we knew about YC from before, you know, with our previous startup, kind of also also actually even applied previously with with the, with the last startup, but didn't get in. But then then we started working on Wasp, I kind of knew, you know, from all, the, all of their content and stuff, and, you know, we, we found all the stuff they were sharing super useful, especially about, you know, talking to users, uh, doing customer interviews, basically. I would recommend that kind of content to everybody who is, you know, starting a new project and wants to interact with the people who are about to use it. So I knew actually that, you know, it is good to apply early to Y Combinator, even if you don't have a, even if you don't, you don't have a product yet or, you know, just in the super early stage and similar. So, and it's good for multiple reasons, so even if you don't get in, it's super useful to fill out the application. So, you know, the application is like, you know, like a pretty big document asking, like, you know, what's your idea, why you are building it, are there any competitors, how are you going to make money? So, all these questions are, you know, pretty good to make you think about, you know, like all these questions. So, more you think about them in advance, more it's going to shape everything you are doing, you know, in the future in the right direction. So, that is just a good experience uh, filling it out and starting thinking about those questions in your mind. And on the other hand, it's good to kind of, let's say, get on YC's radar early. Because if you if you know, I, I guess he's kind of famous by now, but uh, YC interviews takes only, take only 10 minutes each, each time. And, you know, it sounds a bit crazy. Like, how can they judge the company in only 10 minutes? That's impossible. You know, they're just randomizing who, who gets in. Uh, but the fact the fact is actually that, you know, application by itself already has a lot of information on you you know, from your demo, your site, your traction, so pretty much every, every, let's say, standard data is already in, so they can do a lot of crunching, either, like, by machine or by person, and in the end, you know, conversation is, I think, mostly for kind of ironing out the details, you know, like, hey, some, some specific stuff to your, like, dev tool, how are you going to get users, how did you get them so far, and similar, and to meet the founders, I think it's still important, you know, to meet the people, see how they are talking to you, are they friendly, are they, you know, basically, like, people who are, who are, like, excited about doing this and similar. But I think, you know, the, the biggest kind of thing is, you know, once you get uh, your, let's say, first interview or just your first application, it's going to be in their database. And, you know, let's say you, you don't get in because you just, you just started, but next time you, you apply, which is every six months, they will be able to compare your progress from before, I mean, from now to your actual before, like, uh, progress, right? So, you know, if they can see, oh, you know, last time they had, like, you know, 10 users and now they have 100 users, that's going to be a great signal for you to actually show that, you know, you have this momentum going up, right? It's not so much about absolute numbers. If you had like, you know, 99 and then 200, it's not so impressive as having 5 and then 100, right? So I think, you know, it's just good to continuously apply, refine your idea over time and show how you are progressing. And, you know, that's going to capture YC's interest and eventually, you know, get you in, which, you know, which is what happened for us, in
0: yeah, that's really cool. I mean, how's the? Um, it's almost legendary at this point. What? Uh, what so YC is a YC? Actually, I should have said uh, before I asked for the listeners' uh, benefit. Uh, so I'm, uh, we are talking about Y Combinator, which is a legendary uh, accelerator, originally based out of um, Silicon Valley. Although I think it's now a lot of it is remote now. Um, so what, what? was the experience of actually going going through Y Combinator?
1: Mm. So there are multiple aspects uh, of, of 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 the whole program. So yeah, the, the program takes takes three months. And basically, you know, the company, the company gets in, you get assigned your group partners, which is basically kind of experts from YC, you know, from Michael Seibel, founders of other companies, people who are kind of serving, you know, working with the companies uh, personally. And then in the end, like the final event of the program is called Demo Day, in which companies present their progress through the last three months, what they are doing, and get introduced to investors in order to raise their, their first round. If, if the time is right, if not, you know, they can do it a bit later. But that's pretty much, you know, the gist of it. And during those three months, there is the education part, you know, which YC connects you to other founders, for example, people from Airbnb or, you know, like other companies like Cruise or whoever went you know, to the program earlier and has like a lot of knowledge to share. And also, on the other hand, you know, like they're just helping you kind of build. You know, although it's, it's only three months, you know, like with the right focus and, you know, with the right advice from your group partners, you can actually make a lot of progress Uh, toward your demo day goals. So everybody says like, hey, now we have this amount of users or we have these features and we want to have this in the next three months. And yeah, it's just amazing, you know, how this kind of, you feel like the whole group of all the companies of all the startups are working towards their goals. And it's very energizing and very motivating to be the part of that group. So a lot of work gets done uh, during these three months.
0: Yeah, I can. I can imagine it's. I mean, there's a reason why they call it an accelerator. So I can yeah, imagine yeah. it's a really, uh, really cool process. Definitely on the bucket list for me one day uh, to try and uh, to try and get in there. Like uh, yeah, yeah. I've known a lot of people go go through it, and they've all said, "Yeah, it's an awesome experience." Did Did you do it in California, or, or were you out in Croatia when you did it?
1: So that one was remote. It was the second one, which was remote, and I think one or two also were remote. But now they are back. Uh, they are back in person
0: ah okay nice cool cool yeah, yeah. i mean on um, one
1: hand it was, it was super handy because you know we didn't have to travel anywhere yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they kind of made it easy but yeah i mean also it would be amazing to to be able to attend in person meet everybody and yeah everything
0: yeah i think it's every dev wants to kind of hang out in silicon valley for a while i think
1: it's, yeah, uh, no, the, it's a yeah. very cool place to go yeah no, the funny thing is you know when we first applied then it was still in person so you know, like uh, we, we got flown for the interview because we got the interview and, you know, they, they flew us mm-hmm. into San Francisco to Mountain View. So we got to take a picture with the Y Combinator sign. And, you know, and then we, we, we actually got in like a year later we could still use the picture. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, look, it, it looked as, as if we were there then, you know. <laughs> so they, so, yeah, so
0: they fly you all the way out for a 10-minute interview?
1: Yes. If you get to the interview stage, they fly you all the way in, you know, pay all the expenses for a trip, for accommodation, yeah, it's it's a bit crazy.
0: That is crazy. That must be a what, like a twelve-hour flight at least. That's that's mad.
1: <laughs> it, it was it was a lot, yeah. From Europe, Croatia, uh, it's yeah, exactly about like twelve yeah. hours. Like I think it was like sixteen, you know, with all the layovers and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but I guess after, the, after the, um, the application interview is done, then it's a, it's a holiday, right? So, uh, that's always a plus.
1: <laughs> a bit, a bit. Like, you're crushed from everything. And you're like, ah, I can't do it anymore. But, you know, at least you, know, you go around the city, have a bit of a holiday. Yeah, yeah so that, that is a nice part. But, you yeah, know, what I wanted to share, kind of, you know, I think there is, like, one more part, you know, YC, which is maybe not mentioned kind of directly. And, you know, which is super useful even after the program. So and I think f- for us, like long-term, that is actually the main value of the program is the community. So you know, the community is simply amazing. And, you know, like, for example, we are now building a dev tool. And there is like a bunch of successful dev tool companies which have been through YC and you know, like, like GitLab, for example. I mean, Superbase is also, also now there. And like, you know, Docker and similar. So it, it is just amazing, you know, to be basically able to tap into that knowledge. Because there is like internal community. You can reach out to people, chat with them, get advice. The And also, even after the program, there is always like possibility to reach out, ask for advice, get testers, you know, get people to chat with you. So I think, you know, just that sense of uh, having so much knowledge concentrated in a single community is a huge kind of value, value add, you know, even after the program, like a long time after.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense and, you know, it's always, always good to uh, kind of immerse yourself working with people that also uh, either already achieved the goals that you're looking to do or in that process as well because you just learn off each other and um, you know that applies for not even just entrepreneurship but coding as well like bringing it back to people that are learning um, right now to go then you know the more you work with people that are either achieved that in terms of they've gone and got a job or uh, or they're going through the process themselves then the more likely it is you'll succeed.
1: Yeah, you yeah, know that's exactly the case. Because you know, right now, you know, only three months in, you don't have the problems you're going to have a year later. So you know, just then you realize, oh, like those other guys actually did this. So I can ask them, you know, what was the best way to handle this, and that's you know, just incredibly helpful to always have somebody to lean on, ask questions, and learn.
0: Yeah, one of my favorite parts about hosting this podcast is the fact that I know that I'm hopefully helping people not make mistakes that I made. <laughs> Uh, in my career and uh, you know that that's always it's always nice and a lot of people have done that for me so um, this is a way of me kind of doing that to a lot of people at once which is uh w- which is a nice I think uh, a nice feeling um for sure yeah. and for um for the future, now that you're obviously very heavily invested in the uh, uh, in a developer tool and, and web development space, um, as invested as anyone can be, uh, really, um, what do you see uh, as as the future of uh, web development? Really, I mean, we're seeing a theme of uh, rise of um, generative AI um, and a lot of improving developer tools with. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff coming out. What do you see as the next sort of few years, and what can people get excited about, and what should people look for?
1: Yeah, it's a good question, and I think I think obviously GPT is, you know, on everybody's mind.
0: Yeah. So you no, know,
1: we have uh, we have also kind of, i mean, which is super, which is super exciting. I agree. Uh, we have actually been thinking a lot and kind of you know testing and kind of having fun have fun with that lately. I actually wrote an article about kind of you know what is the future of programming going to look like. You know, like let's say you know like programming languages versus right now versus gpt are we going to even need programming languages how are they going to evolve so i can share the link maybe also after after the call it, it got quite popular on hacker news and i think it had like 200 plus comments so you know, a lot of discussion emerged from that but to, to kind of let's say i think the gist of it, it uh, is uh, and kind of my, my my personal prediction is that uh, both sides are going to keep evolving so you know both libraries frameworks and programming languages and also, generative AI, GPT is going to be super helpful. I mean, why, why is that so? I mean, let's say, I mean, my assumption is, you know, although now we have GPT who is really able to do some, some cool stuff, you know, on the other hand, it's not really likely that we are going to be stuck with React 16 or 18 forever, right? <laughs> so, you know, I think it's pretty, pretty safe to assume that uh, both sides have to keep improving. And I think you know it's going to it's going to go in a way because I mean it, it is the same as they have been improving so far. You no, know, like typically, we use jQuery. It was fun. We loved it. But then you know we started noticing some things are repeating, like for example, like managing state was really hard. Everything had to had to do had to be done by callbacks. So we invented React. Great. And then you know again the same. Like you know we had with React we are repeating this and this and then we invented frameworks. So I think you know every new tool is going to solve one set of problems but you know with using it over the years we are going to kind of we are going to notice another set of patterns which we keep repeating you know like I was saying for we keep repeating odd, we keep repeating like you know crud across the client and the server and similar and then again we get new abstractions which are solving that so I think this loop is going to keep going and you know we just continue evolving into more abstract uh, concepts But on the other hand, GPT and, or, you know, just kind of, let's say, generative code, the code generation is going to be super helpful in kind of bringing in, you know, bringing all this kind of stuff to your ID super quickly. You know, before you had to look up documentation figure out how to, I don't know, like do hooks in React or how to, you know, use Redux or similar. But now it's going to be, you know, right here when you start typing it, which is great. But then again, you know, once you have used Redux or used query for hundred times, you know maybe somebody is going to implement like you know new pa- new keyword in the language which is going to solve your problem so that's going to become part of the language but something else is going to become a pattern which is going to be you know filled in for you by, by gpt copilot x or you know copilot ai whatever 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 it is so i think you know we are going to see this constant interplay between autocompletion and like you know id helpers and again frameworks libraries and languages evolving to capture those patterns as they become mature enough to be captured into a library or a language
0: yeah that 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 makes a lot of sense and the only thing that was really starting to worry me about chat GPT in particular um, hmm. is how often it's confidently incorrect <laughs> uh, like it, the other day I, I so I'm I'm barely using stack Overflow anymore I'm, I'm using chat GPT a lot um, and I do sometimes have to double check things because it will just it invented an npm package that just didn't exist, yeah. and I was just like, "How is it? Da-? Like, surely it could just check <laughs> by the npm directory and see if it's out. It was like, I, "I, I said, this is the problem I'm having, and normally it works great." And then it was just like, "Oh, that's easy. Just install this package." And I was like, "I've so, never heard of that. Looks like the thing just didn't exist. It just made up. It was like npm i in uh, you know whatever yeah, this thing yeah, yeah, yeah. was. I couldn't believe it. It is bizarre uh, that experience."
1: It is. It is no, no. I had the same. I was just the other day. I was using Tailwind and my gradients didn't work for some reason. And I was like, you know, ChatGPT, what's going, what's going on? It was yeah, you know, just install this uh, plugin gradient. You know, you just have to use Tailwind gradient plugin. And I was great, but then turned out it doesn't exist. <laughs> so yeah, obviously, you know, I think it, it often kind of come up, comes up with you know like like convenient uh, plugins packages, uh, even like you know CLI command flags like you know this flag would solve everything, but it doesn't exist. So, I mean, obviously that's kind of, you know, an issue with generative AI, which kind of, you know, hallucinations and not being able to kind of, I mean, just being too confident in what, in what it says. And I know a lot of people were kind of worried, you know, especially at first, oh, is this going to take my job? Like, what are developers even going to do? And, you know, is this, is this AGI, you know, what's going to happen? But I think, you know, like, there is like a big, I mean, a big difference between, AGI which is actually somebody who can replace humans and you know which in and what we are seeing right now which is basically like super nice and super smart uh, auto completion. I mean of course I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow and if they're going to come up with AGI but kind of my general my general advice to people uh, which some you know is like ah thank you so much you know was that until until like real AGI comes which can actually be somebody you know who can who can literally replace your coworker or like you know hey somebody who can continually work on a task, figure out the problems, you know, ask people around, uh, feel the problems. I think that's something which is super hard to replace. Because, you know, in, in the end, it has to be a human which has some intention continually. Like, if, if I said to ChatGPT to keep working on VOSP, <laughs> that would be very hard. Because, like, you know, um, like 50% of the stuff we are doing are, have not been solved ever yet. So, you know, just being able to pattern match to that is impossible. So I would say, like, uh, like we are good for now. It's going to become much easier for some developers and you know non-developers to get into programming, and we are going to become more productive. And documentation is coming closer to our fingertips in the IDE. But still, in the end, we need humans uh, to kind of do this long-term thinking and you know just going after goals they have.
0: Yeah, I think broadly I, I agree with that, and that's why I quite like what um, uh, the name of Copilot. Um, that GitHub have. I think it perfectly sums up how I feel about it. It will just be your co-pilot for now. And if we do hit AGI, the way I see it, I'm kind of uh, a nihilist in the sense of, well, if AGI happens, we're gonna have to restructure the whole economic system anyway, so everyone's gonna lose their jobs. So whatever, we'll see what happens. It'll either be really good or really awful. It'll be interesting, but it'll be one of the two.
1: <laughs> true, true. No, AGI is like definitely a different set of problems. Like, if we have AGI, like developer jobs are not the biggest issue we have to discuss. Yeah, like it can it can replace any job, you know, investors, I don't know, like uh, anybody.
0: Exactly, and Sam Altman himself has said developers shouldn't be worried. Um, so I hope he doesn't pull a sneaky on us um, and <laughs> come out with something even better. But he said recently, software engineers should not be worried. Um, and I, I like the quote of Chat GPT won't take your job, but someone using it might, which I think is, <laughs> is an interesting perspective. of, As long as we embrace these tools, uh, then uh, that's the best way of going about it. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, tooling is always helpful, and we have to embrace it. But I think, yeah, in the end, you know, still kind of uh, what, what I mean. I think you know the, the big thing that people kind of often it's easy, it's easy to forget when you see you know Copilot or GPT examples. You know, which is like, oh, amazing code generation. I say, give me a form with X and Y and I get it. But, you know, the other big thing is that whatever code is generated, uh, you have to maintain it later. All right, true. And, you know, that's much harder than generating code. Although, okay, text is also like, he'll be able to reason something and something. But in the end, you know, like, uh, maintenance is a much harder problem. Because sometimes it's not just adding another button. It's like choosing a different library. Like, you know, setting it up with uh, outside API, having design design decisions and everything. And again, maybe Copilot can be assist, like assist with some advice in here. But that's like a much more, you know, team effort. You have to know all the technologies. You have to be able to assume what's coming in the future. So I think we are still far away from, our, you know, completely outsourcing that part. And, you yeah. know, in the end, whatever code is generated, you have to understand it. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to uh, alter it and maintain it in the future.
0: Exactly. That's a really important point. And it's so rare as a software engineer day-to-day that you open up a new file in the IDE and it's completely blank. And you're just writing everything brand new, like the vast majority of tickets and almost any job is some kind of maintenance upgrading something or uh, detangling some... Uh, Knockout JS, uh, yeah. which as a junior developer who had been spoiled with React, um, <laughs> trying to trying to understand what was going on there. Oh, th- those were dark times.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. I mean, and I mean, it's, all, it's also why it's important that you know we keep evolving things on the language side, right, and library side. I mean, imagine imagine there was no React, and you, you know your GPT was just generating everything in jQuery. Like you know, it's perfect code, everything works as you say, but it's jQuery. And, you know, once you get that code and you have to maintain it later, that's really not something that you want to do. <laughs> yeah, so, that, that, that's yeah. a really
0: good point. I'd never even thought about that. But, yeah, it, exactly. It seems it will always remain in state at, um, you know, that, that point. And actually, if there's better tooling that comes out, then, you know, it's going to be not as efficient anymore. So yeah, because it's in the end... the feed it.
1: Exactly. Because in the end, you know, you want the least amount of code as po- possible to have in your code because, you know, less code you have, it's easier to maintain and reason about it. You know, so as tools evolve, they will actually introduce those abstractions. And again, we will want GPT to use those abstractions. So that's kind of, I think, super important. It was fun, you know, like we actually uh, used Wasp with GPT and it worked amazingly well. You know, because, kinda, because you know, Wasp kind of core part, you know, the configuration part is super... I mean, it, you know, it, it, it reads like a nice JSON. Like, hey, I have my auth with LinkedIn and Gmail. I have some queries. I have some actions, mutations. So GPT was actually... You know, we just gave it to, although it, it didn't actually learn from what uh, was before because it wasn't out there yet or, you know, there were just a couple of examples. But it was able to deduce stuff super quickly and, you know, we were impressed. Like, you know, it, it was able to create a new app based on the previous one and, you know, like even generate some of the actions, mutations, and similar. So, so I think that, you know, like kind of there are going to be more and more languages and frameworks which are kind of, you know, let's say designed for GPT. You know, because mm-hmm. GPT can learn much easier from high-level stuff because, you know, everything is kind of more condensed and the logic is kind of more human readable So, I think in the future, that's, that's what we are going to see. You know, yeah, GPT, GPT is going to have an easier time and we are going to have easier time with more high-level uh, solutions.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think, I think that's a really good point. And um, for people who want to find out more about Wasp, because I, I truly mean it, and not just because you've come <laughs> on the podcast, I, I found it a really innovative experience and um, I really enjoy using it so far and I'm going to definitely use it some more. If people want to find out more about Wasp, what, what, what's the best way?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, the, the best way is to go to, to our website, so wasp-lang.dev, and, or you can just you know, Google it and it's going, it's going to come up. It'll
0: and subscription as well. Oh, it's
1: going to be there. So I mean, all you have to do is you know just run our one curl to install install the the package locally, and you know wasp was start new app, and that's it. Uh, as, as as you said, everything is open source. Uh, we are happy to accept contributions. And just today, we we launched our second launch week. So you know we we rolled out a bunch of new features like uh, auto generated auto uh, UI forms, uh, running async jobs. Uh, Defining custom API routes, and we also introduced templates for building typical SAS with GPT integration, so that's something that was been popular. So yeah, just a bunch of new tools, and we had a bunch of folks using it for their startups, side projects, uh, internal tools, so yeah, feel free to try it out, and we'd love to see you in our Discord, happy to answer any questions and uh, connect there.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the Discord seems really friendly as well. I've been hanging out in there a bit myself, so um, yeah, really, uh, really cool. And um, if people want to uh, keep in touch with you, is Twitter normally best?
1: Twitter is the best. I think, yeah, LinkedIn, but yeah, I think Twitter is kind of the, the main one these days.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been really cool uh, to hear about your journey and, and about Wasp um, as well. Do you have any parting Wasp words of wisdom for the, for the audience?
1: Uh, yeah keep buzzing <laughs> it's always how in <having> the <laughs> newsletters. no no but yeah I just wanted to thank you once again you know for having me here. It was really a pleasure to meet you and yeah thanks so much for the nice wishes. I wish you the same with, with your project and you know just looking forward to staying uh, connected in the future.
0: Likewise, sounds great. I will uh, catch you soon and thanks as well for the listeners for checking out another episode of the Go to Career.